more you know your client, the more that you study your sales calls, the more that you will start to see patterns. And at the mm -hmm. end of the day, there's going to be five or six major issues for your ideal client, right? Not just any client, but your ideal client that you're like, man, this, she needs to buy this, whether she knows it or not, like she's my dream client, right? This is the Full Stack Sales Pro. What up, Full Stack crew? Um, we have an absolutely stellar of an episode coming at you today, um, mainly because originally it was going to be Megan Swanson on the episode. And now, as of a week ago, it's now Megan Swanson Road. So it's a completely different human being. Absolutely, completely different <laughs> human being. But I'm super excited because we were going to do this before the wedding. And then it was like, yeah, let's do it after. And so then we did. So first of all, how is life? How's married life? I mean, what, what are we seven days in, eight days in? Yeah, just about. It has been amazing. I love being married. I think the best way that we've described it so far is that you know, it just feels like it's supposed to be. And um, other than getting used to saying the word husband rather than fiance, and uh, mm. it, other than that, it's been great. Repping the husband's merch today. Um, everybody yes. wants one of these jackets. Tell, it's hilarious. So yeah, yeah, tell them to send me some freaking swag. I'll rock that. Hey, I'm representing merch today. I got my first, like, this is a test run hat. And so this is the full stack logo and we're test running it on this company you know i'm trying to get some uh really cool golf hats in and you know make some swag vibes i'm gonna put it Love next it. on like a really dope tie-dye shirt and try to make it all kanye'd out and very cool but who knows that probably won't happen um you know what my favorite thing is about being married not that this podcast is anything to do with marriage so if you're not married <laughs> i hope you're still listening and if you hate marriage i hope that maybe you don't at the end of this podcast right. and that you learn progress. about sales at the exact same time uh progress uh my favorite thing after we came back from the honeymoon was because like me and my you know me and my bride we we did not live together before we got married so the fact that I was able to just be done and like we were, I didn't have to go home. I didn't have to go anywhere. And it was like, all my crap was there and everything. I was like, man, this rules. Like, and it was yes. just like, Hey, what do you want to do? Like, let's sit and just chill and watch a show and do nothing. That was amazing. So that made yes. me happy. Cause it was, I like, not anyway. totally hear that. We did that last night. <laughs> we try and be really innovative with our date nights. And so last night we played, past the pigs, which is like a million year old game, but we have a giant version mm -hmm. at our house where you just throw these like plastic pigs around and get points because everything's competition in our house. And then we yeah. went to um, the grocery store and got some ice cream and came home and did nothing. And it's just the best in the whole world. Yes, it is. It is the best. I think, I think it's good even that you said about date night, because I've talked to, and I'm just going to dive in here, a lot of like sales professional people, right? Whether they're just in sales or maybe they're in sales because they're the solopreneur or something like that, because they're working so intense, right? The environment of a producer is intense, right? Like you're, you're always going ham and you're going 100 that it's funny how quickly things like date nights or biology just get thrown to the wayside. And it's like, mm -hmm. wait, that's, that's the whole reason why you're working so hard is to be able to do these things. Have you noticed that? Like, I mean, cause a lot of people don't even realize like how 
far you come and we'll get into your story in a second, but have you noticed that even being, you know, the, you know, the business owner that you are now, like that feeling that. So that is, I would say that I am unique and Landon and I are probably unique in how intentional we are about that because in relationships previously, or even just life previously, um, Landon and I are both recovering fat kids. We both were very, you know, (laughs) overweight previously. And, um, also spent a lot of times of isolation just when we were building our companies where we always say we would have never been together if we met even six months before we did. And so I think why we're so intentional about that now, date nights, taking care of ourselves physically, eating foods that give us enough energy to produce at the level that we need to produce. You know, sometimes it's the simple things, um, drinking enough water, getting good quality sleep, things like that. I think that we unusually prioritize in our relationship because otherwise, I mean, I'm, I'm a worse off partner if I'm not that way. And I know when I feel bad about my body or my appearance, because I'm not feeling it well, I'm a nastier person to land in like point blank period, you know, and usually we take things out on people because of inner turmoil produces interpersonal conflict, you know? So I think we just really try and be aware of those things. Oh, that's so good. We can like circle back around to that because I love that. I, my, one of my favorite things about our team members when I feel like they're really succeeding is not always the numbers that I'm seeing them put up. It's that when the numbers that they're putting up are coupled with a happy spouse or a happy partner, Mm -hmm. or like some of them have kids and I, and you get to see their kids are full of life. And that's like, I'm really leaning into that right now, you know, even as a, a leader, just to make sure like, yes, this number is epic and awesome, but is it also coupled with the outcome and the byproduct of also the home life is crushing. But anyways, I love your story because I know you're going to tell this one part of like um, the outcome that you came when you had a decision to make and you're like, oh, this decision will yield me this. So let's get into the backstory of how all of this epic, you know, boss lady stuff even got started and and start us from the top. I guess you're going to take it from Nashville, correct? Yes, absolutely. Okay, let's go. Oh, gosh. So, um, yes, I went to music school at Belmont in Nashville as a commercial voice major, music business, all that stuff, and thought I was going to be Carrie Job um, from the time I was 13 <laughs> years old. Now, ironically, talking to someone who knows her. And, yeah. um, you know, that was always just plan A. Didn't even know what an entrepreneur was. And I remember I was nannying. I don't even think I said this. I've never told you this, but I was nannying a very wealthy family in Nashville. And um, I remember I saw a $137,000 check on the dad's desk. And I was just like, how do you do that? I was like, what, how, how does a, and he was a part-time entrepreneurship trainer or a teacher at Belmont. And I was just so curious. And actually his wife happened to be a first runner up to Miss Tennessee to now somebody that I know really personally, Allison DeMarcus, crazy how God brings things full circle, like literally 30 Mm -hmm. years later. Um, And she's a headhunter for a law firm, like total boss chick. They've got one kid and I was the nanny. And I remember just the way that they would talk, the way that they would carry themselves, the way that they both pursued life, um, set boundaries for their life, but also just like lived full on really inspired me. But I had no idea how they did it. And I certainly thought that you could only do that by working for a corporation. And so here I am in music school. um, And in between my junior and senior year, I was having a really tough time. And I had gotten through an eating disorder um, that I almost moved home from. I had gained a bunch of weight, like I said, recovering fat kid. And I just didn't really have purpose in my life or know that I had access to a lot of these opportunities. And so actually I was home um, 
in between, like I said, my junior and senior year. And my mo- I had just broken up with my boyfriend and my mom just looked at me and she's so keen and so wise. And she was just like, you know, what are your goals? Like, what do you want to do with your life? Yes, yes, yes. I know you want to be a songwriter. You want to be in music, all these things. But like, what's tangible that you like the arrow for your life? And um, Facebook ads heard our conversation. And um, on my homepage, <laughs> it sent me a notification that the woman right before me had just won Miss Nebraska 2013. And I believe that the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and was like, you're supposed to be that next year. And I had never competed in a big girl pageant in one of the big three, um, Miss America, Miss Volunteer America, Miss USA. I'd never even like heard of the difference between Miss USA and Miss America, which there are many. And, um, but I was like, okay, I kind of started researching and I was like, you got to have talent. Cool. I can sing for 90 seconds. You got to walk. Cool. I'm six feet tall. And I was a model that works. And then you got to <laughs> talk to somebody for like 10 minutes. I was like, I'm terrified of public speaking, but probably can do this. So I flew home on my fall break and winged it the whole pageant and ended up winning um, the the sister title to Miss Omaha, which is the toughest pageant in the state. And, um, you know, six months later was competing at Miss Nebraska, won Miss Nebraska in my first try, nine weeks later was at Miss America. And um, it ended up paying for my college because my mom actually lost her job that year. And pageants are the largest scholarship provider in the world for young women. And so I, you know, that's a large reason why I did it in the first place was I deeply care for my parents. My parents, you know, were in ministry my whole life. So we never had a lot. And what's so cool, I think about sales, entrepreneurship to kind of bring it home is that I think there's like people who are in sales have this strong internalized desire for life and this internalized drive or at least something where they probably have ADHD or they get bored really easily or all of the above, right? But there's not typically this traditional like one path um, and certainly not, I mean, it's come a long ways obviously, but like 10 years ago when this was my journey, you didn't just like do entrepreneurship, you know what I mean? Like you either had to know somebody that could get you into the pathway, online courses were like just starting, right? So I just kind of felt fell in love with the thought of advocating for myself and that I grew as a public speaker and all these different things eventually as my year as Miss Nebraska. And that's a very condensed story, but um, pageants became the very beginning of my leadership journey in terms of being able to see that I could be this kind of a person that that was ever worthy of other people listening to um, and Mm. growing these soft skills that I would then translate into absolutely every other area of my life. What was really interesting was the same thing that makes me good at pageants makes me really, really, really stinking good at sales. And of course, I never connected the two back then, but I'm so grateful that um, an industry where people just see pretty girls parading in a swimsuit or in an evening gown, um, you know, first of all, the confidence that it takes to do that and all the absolutely dozens of hours of work to even do that, right, um, is in the first place. And then also to be good at it and to excel in it is a completely different thing. And then eventually that is what would become my company, Powerhouse Pageantry. Um, where now we coach women all over the world to do the same thing. So that is one part of the story. <laughs> yes, I love it. I love it. I still, I mean, I will always say this part of <laughs> that everything that you were doing and everything that you were chasing down up to that one point, and then you have this moment in time of your life where you're like, what am I going to do? And the answer was pageantry. It's mm-hmm. like, it's not knocking it. It's just when a left field, right, because it was a left field answer, catapults you being now the face of an industry and revolutionizing, changing, you know, young women all the way up to now, even in some of your businesses, uh, you know, moms and wives and, and, and just older business professional women, 
Yeah. Like you're having such an impact on their life was came at the moment of like a mini life crisis or mini identity, you know, whatever you want to call it, you know, mm -hmm. thing that you were working through. And that that was so funny because you, you're using the term uh, recovering fat kid. And it's like, I can't wait to use that term. I'm like, I tell my kid <laughs> all the time, I'm like, I would love to use the, the recovering part. But like <laughs> you, something that you're working through, right? And then you, your answer is the very thing that would actually be the opposite of what you're chasing down or mm -hmm. what you're dealing with, right? So you're dealing with this image, this whatever thing. And they're like, great, now I'm going to go do this thing that is literally to the outside person, all image, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, it's absolutely bonkers. Okay, so you get into it, you crush, you whoop everyone's tail, like, because you just boss it up and you do that. What is that skill set that you didn't realize that was actually pulling them together? They were going to help you. Yeah, great question. So the biggest things that we train people on now are uh, extemporaneous speaking skills, which if you don't have that as a salesperson, you're not going to succeed. It's the ability to have such a level of self-awareness in the moment of adaptation and conversation with self um, that you're able to be an incredibly, incredibly keen listener, which is one of the best skills you can ever teach yourself in the world. Because to be a good speaker, I mean, first of all, in, in a pageant sense, right? So it's a press style 10 minute interview. You have five to seven judges literally interrupting each other for nine and a half minutes. And then you have a 30 second closing statement and they can ask you anything on your bio sheet about your platform, the specific marketing plan of your platform, your social media plan, your brand, your onstage performance, your talent, politics, literally anything, right? And you have mm -hmm. to figure out how to take a bold and confident stance because confidence is another one of those attributes. Um, and you can't fake confidence. It has to be, you have to carry the it factor, which is power, presence, and warmth. You have to have all three of them. Power comes from the knowledge and the certainty that you deserve to be there, that you know your stuff, that you're some level of an expert and have expertise and knowledge in that area that produces mm -hmm. certainty and calmness. And then you also have warmth, which is the friendliness, more the feminine energy. You have, you know, the ability to brighten a room when you walk in, right? Where you're not just cold and just that masculine energy and those things together, then with the way that you walk, the way that you dress, the way that you externally present yourself, that's the branding and the presence that gives it that lift and that extra kind of je ne sais quoi where someone can't take their eyes off of you. And what's so crazy is that even though I was working through insecurity as it was happening, you're like literally weaving out those insecurities to accomplish mm -hmm. that goal, which is also why I think sales is really cool because you can be given a toolkit. This just happened this morning. One of my clients made their first 12K sale. It was awesome. And <laughs> we were working on their script till 11 PM last night and then they just winged it and it worked. And I was like, I love a good script. Um, yes, yes. But you know, what's so cool is you can still have, you're still a human when this is happening, but you're believing in yourself. You're putting yourself out, outside of that comfort zone. You're stretching that comfort zone. And then you get to see this beautiful payoff, whether it's winning the pageant or maybe getting second runner up your first time, right? Or maybe it's not completely closing the sale, but you got a lot farther than you ever did and you felt way more comfortable mm. and you put yourself out there and you felt like you listened better, right? And so I think part of you know what's so cool is that something as, like you said, as silly as externally what looks like a pageant and is just a pageant is something that is literally an army that is producing some of the most high caliber women in the world. And that's what I love what I do every day and why I chose it as my profession is because I always say it's like if you were to be a trainer that you'd give them your nutrition plan and tell them their workouts and the client did everything perfectly, never ate ice cream, never ate late like I do all the time and you know just did it. 
And then you're like, yes, testimonials for days. Like that's how I feel about my pageant clients. Like they're so hungry for leadership and to learn how to communicate and to oftentimes heal through even deeper emotional things and become this best version of themselves. If people would just take that mindset of kind of that athlete tenacity Olympian mindset is what I call it into the way that they treat getting good at sales or getting good at the thing that they want to get good at. Um, it, mm-hmm. It's possible. You just have to be committed to the process of growth and oftentimes the uncomfortable journey of the parts of you that you know might need some just processing to to get good and not just compare yourself to the end result when you just started. You know, like yesterday. Yeah, that was so good. I sometimes I feel like like that almost like athletes have it easier because their target is a little bit more obtainable at championship mm. season or something like that. Now, I feel like they work tails off 10 times harder, it feels like, than business professionals or sales pros or whatever. But it's not about comparison. But when I look at my team and, and whether we've gone through the most recent David Goggins book or some other feel-good leadership, you know, tenacity type of thing, like we just went through um, um, It Takes What It Takes. I think that's Trevor Lawrence. I, I can't remember. Absolutely amazing. Well, I'll write that down. I mean, it, Yes, it's so good. Um, I'm just going to get it. Hold on. It's so good. <laughs> no, wait. Trevor Moad. Okay. Listen, everybody. Like, they don't even, they're not even paying to be on this show, and I'm hooking them up. Go get this book. Anyways, absolutely bonkers because it's about neutral thinking. And when I look at what you're saying, and I hear, I mean, when I hear what you're saying, and it makes me look at my own team, and I'm like, if you could realize that you have a championship, whatever that is, that's not just a, a you know a revenue generated or commission check that you make that month, but as much as it is, well, what happens after you have the money? Mm-hmm. You know, what happens after you won the crown? You know what I mean? For you, after the crown, yes, there was another one. We could talk about that, but it wasn't just that because at some points I go, how many crowns can you really win? And then mm-hmm. it really opened you up to be like, yo, could you crush music? Yeah, I've heard you sing. As a 25-year music producer, you know, award-winning music producer, like, I could testify that you can sing. I have heard you sing. So, mm-hmm. yes, you could do that, but, like, it would almost, looking back now, I would be like, it's it would only be one small portion right. of your greatness. Right. You know what I mean? How, it, I guess my question for you is this, how are you teaching them how to listen? I think that, um, you know, I think there's a book called Thinking Fast and Thinking Slow. I haven't read it, mm-hmm. um, but I've heard of it. And I think it's it's that concept of overall it's self-awareness. I think that, you know, to your point, having like deeper, bigger, better reasons for every reason why you do something, whether it's fitness or whether it's, you know, why is it important to have a date night or why is it important to eat healthy? Why is it important to close this one deal or close 200 mm-hmm. deals, right? When you have... Um, for me, my personality type, like maybe this makes me a selfish person or whatever, but like my ego has got to be in it. Like if my ego is not personally invested into something where I actually have something to lose, it's not going to last very long before I'm on to the next, you know, next latest, greatest sparkly thing. Um, and so I think for a lot of the goals that I teach my clients to, to have, or to become a better listener, which then in turn, you become a better communicator is they have to get rock solid about like who they are as a person first, why they're doing what they're doing. And the like, truly, I have tough conversations. I'm like, here's the cost. Like, here's where you think you're at. 
I had this conversation mm-hmm. earlier today. Here's where you think you're at. <laughs> I love you and your world needs to get a little bit bigger. Like this isn't your small town anymore. This isn't your, your, your little dance club. Like you are going to get to Miss North Carolina and you're going to get crushed by people who have been training for 10 hours a day for 18 years. Like, so mm-hmm. you can either stay where you are and be embarrassed or I love you so much and listen to me. And like, where do you want to go from here? You know? Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's learning how to like get uncomfortable. It's learning how to sometimes think slowly and be like, huh, even though it like is really uncomfortable to like access these emotions right now, we're going to do it anyway, because it's mm-hmm. necessary for me to, first of all, on the emotional thing, it's always good to grow your emotional wheel. I have all my clients study the emotional wheel. If you just Google it. And because if you can't feel an emotion or put an adjective to what you're feeling cognitively, and it's just happening in the background, like a tab open, how are you supposed to empathize with that person on a sales call in the moment? If you only understand like happiness, anger, and laughter, and that's like, you can't put a word to disappointment. If I can't sense that my client is feeling disappointed in themselves on the sales call, then how am I going to call that out? in between the question phase and when I'm pitching them to be able to wrap that around the benefit of my program and show them why they need it. You know what I mean? If I can't even access that in myself, I need to be that good of a listener and that emotionally intelligent of a person so that I can even properly diagnose the problem on a sales call. And so that's where I think it starts to get real ninja. And it's super fun because you're a it's genuine. You're really helping that person in the moment, even if the best thing for them is to not work with them, you know, or not pitch them. Um, and then you never get that feeling of like selling and just bulldozing over people. Um, but when someone gives you $15,000 for your program, you're smiling, not just cause you got the cash in the bank, but also because you're like, we're really going to help them. And this feels amazing. Yeah. And I think that feels cool yeah. as a salesperson. Yeah. Heck yeah. That's absolutely amazing. We do. I talked about this. Uh, we just did a training last week and I was talking about the difference between, cause I have these like 10 golden truths of sales. Um, I should send them to you. They're so cool. But the 10 goals yeah. of sales, one of them is uh, be kind, not nice. And mm-hmm. the only way that you can be kind for somebody is if you, if it's not about you, if you care more for their well-being than they do themselves, because then that's going to allow you to really hear what they're saying, which is actually what they're not saying. And mm-hmm. I, you know, because I can listen to my team's calls. I can listen back. We'll do call reviews. When I'm listening in, I'm like, you're not you're not serving this person right now. This is about you. This is about you closing a deal. This is about you. Sometimes we call it commission breath, whatever. But this is about you right now in this moment. Now that might not be who they are, but it, it, it can happen with salespeople. I think it can happen in any profession where what you're doing, you you're you're basically shooting yourself in the foot and you're not actually hearing what's going on. And I'm telling these people, I'm like, that situational awareness behavioral flexibility where you're like, no, what is the person saying right now? They saying, I don't have the money. No, they're not saying I don't have the money because they're talking to you on a $1,300 cell phone. So it's not that they're Mm -hmm. saying they don't have the money. It's not saying like, you got to think about what's really going on. You know, does that Mm -hmm. make sense? Completely. Yeah. One time (laughs) I think I, uh, I think it's called like an anti-objection when you're like, oh, you don't have the money. Like that's exactly why you actually need this. I think sometimes when you get like, like I said, those ninja moves that you can pull out in sales, which again, is really, really helping someone, but you, you get to help them reframe their mindset because you also had to kick your own butt, you know, when you bought your first thing and you, you know, you were that person who genuinely was probably like, dude, if this doesn't work out, like this is a lot of money I can raise on 
five different hands, you know, when I've been in that exact position. Um, but I still think that developing that skill set in general, um, being able to handle objections, being able to adapt, being able to sit there and not think of anything else in the world, but being present with that person. I always tell people, I'm like, first of all, my clients are like the prettiest people on the planet. So anybody would be lucky to date or marry them. Right. Like I got all my guy friends lined up for days trying to like knock on their door. And I'm like, no. Um, but on top of that, this, this, yeah, the skill set that, uh, ironically is so good for like dating communication relationships. Part of why I, I mean, I've been married for a week, right? Not an expert, but part of why I think that Landon and I do have such a healthy relationship and I've been through hell in that department too, but why things are so healthy is because I'm putting this into practice every single day, learning to communicate better learning to stretch myself to be a little bit more open, a little bit better listener, you know, on my coaching calls, talk less, listen more, ask better questions, right? So there is something to, and I think we talked about this before, um, you know, that 10,000 hour rule. And I think one of my favorite things to do is um, new employee, we just onboarded a new one today and yesterday. And I'm like, okay, so let's talk about like, what, what would be the most fun thing to learn in the next 90 days? What would be the best like win that you could have professionally in the next 90 days, really helping them begin with the end in mind of like, what does success look like? Why is that success for you? You know, what gives you that adrenaline and then back and having that in the beginning and then helping to pace them towards that growth to where then what, once they grow to that place, um, they actually can see where they came from. Cause sometimes too, if we don't have like this one thing, right? If I get 200 positive comments on my wedding video and one person's like, Oh, you look like (laughs) crap, you know, whatever. I'm focusing on the one negative person. Like that's just the way that our brain works. Right. So sometimes we have to have, um, things. I like to write things down when I know that I'm in my best self and my right mind. And I think that's really powerful. Why journaling is powerful because then when I grow in six months, I have exact tangibles of where I used to be. And I have things that I, that are like proof. They're almost like tenants to Mm -hmm. myself of like, I know you're still not where you want to be. That's part of being a futuristic leader. That's part of being like a person who has goals, right? You're going to have good days, bad days, but you also then can look back and be like, but this is what has happened. And oh my gosh. Yeah. I know I'm being really hard on myself right now, but I actually like used to be way worse at this. And like, let's go listen to my first sales call, you know? And Mm -hmm. I think those things are really important in the journey of growth as well. Yo, I totally agree. We, it's like, um, I always tell guys like, check your gratitude. Like you got to check your gratitude. And sometimes to check your gratitude, you got to look back at where you were. And that's why, mm-hmm. you know, documenting what's going on in your life, like documenting, journaling every day to look back and say, you know, like this moment right now is not yielding me what I want, whether it's that's business, good. whether it's a pageantry, whatever. Maybe it's not yielding me what I want. Why don't I give myself a little thing I like to call perspective? And mm-hmm. I'll look back and say, but where were you two years ago? Where were you five years ago? In my case, I can always look back and like, yo, when I was homeless and I had mm-hmm. nothing, you know what I mean? And thank God I was able to figure this crap out before I met my wife, right? And to get a good chunk of that dealt with, I mean, because it's like, I look back now and I'm like, man, I'm I'm trying to figure out how to invest, you know, another hundred, two, three hundred thousand dollars this year for, a, a, you know, real estate. And I'm mad because I can't do it fast enough. Where before mm-hmm. I was like, dear God, if I can make two thousand dollars a month and just pay my bills, how happy I am. Come would. on. Come on. And it's like, what? Like, like we have just lost sight of yeah. actually how far we're growing because you know what is, is, is as important as it is to listen and to ask questions, you know who we're not listening to and not asking questions to? Ourselves. 
Mm-hmm. I ain't trying to go freaking uh, 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 um, Brandon Bouchard on us right now, but I'm just saying, like, you got to ask your, you know what I'm saying? You got to ask yourself some serious questions here. Mm-hmm. You got to be able to have some thinking time. I'm, I'm about to do a training with Taylor um, because I feel like a big question we get all the time is like, how do you think? How do you know mm-hmm. how to ask better questions? And I'm like, man, like, I'm so shocked that people don't know how to do that. Yeah. I'm realizing. Go ahead. Sorry. That's very no. That I, I didn't interrupt. That's that's funny. Uh, Lana and I were just talking about that too because I think that is one of the easiest ways to forget that you were not always this way. You know, mm-hmm. like if I mean, it's so habit now that you're like, oh yeah, like when I'm creating a new course for something, right? And I have to like mm-hmm. go chop up what is in my brain. What are the things that I do now on autopilot? Oh yeah, people don't know this stuff. Like. And not in like an arrogant way, not in like a, you should know this, but also back to gratitude. Like, you know what? I have been like doing this for 10 years. Like I, I -hmm. have been doing the little things every day that have gotten me to where I am today. And that like, that's like a literally a million actions into tiny little things that no one's patting you on the back for. No one's validating you are not necessarily immediately producing income immediately producing these different things but going back to like the why too you have to know why you're doing it who you're doing it for and i think one of the best gifts that people can give to themselves is learning to keep that at the forefront because no one's going to work for you no one's gonna you know you can pray to win the lottery all day and for mailbox (laughs) money but like god also asked you to get up and walk you know what i mean and i i think that unfortunately in our culture in american culture um with social media and I love social media. I run my whole business on social media, but what's tough about it is that there are massively just wrong mindsets about Hmm. how long things take, what the effort really looks like. You know, it's like not everybody just like get six pack abs overnight, no matter how many times you see this weight loss pill or this cream that removes (laughs) cellulite, you know, and it's, it's actually really, really damaging because it like it takes a lot of mind renewal, reading books, investing in yourself to even get back to neutral of like, wait, that's not that's not how it works. Like, I don't just post mm. a video and I get famous on TikTok tomorrow and then I'm making fifty thousand dollars a brand deal, you know. And so I think that's one of the best gifts that people can give themselves is even just like go have a conversation with ten old people over the age of seventy, you know, yeah. and just like get some perspective about. Like a how it's never been easier to start a business, never been easier to make money, you know, all these different things. And I think that um, that can be really, really helpful, too. Like if you're just having a down day. How are you? I mean, just super brilliant. This is something I think I wanted to ask you. This might go there. okay? so if you're listening right now and we go, we start stepping on some political toes. This is not a political show, but I do have a question. Don't bring me into this. (laughs) Well, I know So we got to keep it high level. How in the culture that we're in right now with, I don't want to say Me Too movement, but in the culture where what your business is based around is almost sometimes shunned, mm-hmm. like even though largest, you know, uh, scholarship, you know, supplier, right? In essence, the pageantry. Uh, I've seen how it's revolutionized your life, your sister's life. I mean, because we haven't even talked about that part yet. I've seen yeah. the the women who are growing in, or young girls who are growing into women. How is it that you are combating that or dispelling that truth, that, that counterfeit? Hmm. <laughs> Step into my office. Um, 
So like you've met me, right? Yeah. I think mm-hmm. that the best proof you can ever give people is walking into a room and letting people see for themselves. You want to call me a bimbo mm-hmm. all day? Bring it. Like literally bring it. Like have a conversation mm-hmm. with me about anything. Have a conversation with me about politics. Have a conversation with me about like financial literacy. Like anything. And I'm like, you make a judgment call of whether I'm stupid and just there to stand mm-hmm. on stage. Actually talk to one of my clients. That's honestly the biggest thing that I say to everybody who would who would have any kind of a stereotype about, you know, what we are, what we aren't. And also if someone's going to, this is for any industry, if someone is going to stereotype an entire class of people into, oh, well, they think this way, act this way, it just shows how small their perspective is of the entire world. Like if you literally think that you are God enough to be able to know what is going on in the head, hearts, minds, bodies of anyone other than yourself, first of all, yeah. but then also like an entire class of people, that's just laughable. So some things you just have to laugh or else you cry. <laughs> so that's also a yeah. rule. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's so much more like that I could get into from that perspective. But I I actually really thrive and enjoy on just showing people the fruit of my life and my clients. And I get to have really inspiring, wonderful conversations actually weekly, you know, with people that are that once they, let's say, hear me speak in an event or they meet me at church and they see how I carry myself, you know, or whatever. And then they're like, wait, what mm-hmm. do you do? And I tell them about it. It actually makes them more intrigued because it's like, it's two things that their brains like, wait, what, how can this go together? And that's not just like, yeah. Oh me, I'm amazing. I'm awesome. That's really literally like 99% of pageant girls that you meet. You're like, wait, what? You're also getting your PhD while you're doing this. Like what, you know? Um, and I think that everybody in any industry should hold themselves to that standard of surprising people. You know, what an amazing mm. thing. Everyone's always made fun of you for being the skinny, scrawny kid that was a nerd and can never get girls. You know what? Go become the smartest kid in the world and make a crap ton of money. You know, and then like yeah. see who's talking, you know? Yeah. And I love yeah, that we have sure. like, the freedom to do that in America to be whatever we want to be and, and build our careers and build our lives. But like, I like to flip it on its head. I just, I'm not just going to sit there and pity and be like, oh, well, you have this opinion of me that I can or can't do something. I'm like, you're not paying my bills, you know, at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Like, so I'm just going to live in my lane and I encourage other people to live the best that they can in their lane. Um, and yeah, I don't know if I fully answered your question on like specifically the women's stuff, but I have personally just never felt like a, a victim, like ever. I just, maybe that's the way that I was raised, but I know some people do, unfortunately. Um, but like, I'm just like, let's just prove them wrong. I don't have time to even like dwell on that. Yeah, no, it's good. It's good because like, like you still take your your well. Actually, do you even still take your sales car? You have you had to get out of that now because you. Guys I do. Yeah, I do. We um we've offloaded all of like ops client success um okay. and stuff like that. But I still do sales and marketing mostly because I love it. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, and you're freaking amazing at sales. So it's like thank you. That. So the fact that you're still doing that. What is it that you feel like are some of the biggest objections for people that, that you're having to overcome in that lane, you know, when they're, they're hopping on? Because, I mean, I know that your girls are, your, your clients are, you know, they're crushing it. You know what I mean? Like, y'all got results, like, for days on how much y'all are crushing it. But what are those objections that y'all are hitting as a business right now? Yeah. Um, so, specifically in sales calls, um, I believe that we have a very unusual, very unique, not typical results industry where 
I very rarely get objections. And I like hardcore mean that. Like wow. I I just don't. Like my I close at about 90, 93% right now. And, you know, part of that is I'm very picky about like our funnel and some volume. Like we make people fill out a pretty serious application that tells me 15 things about them or else I just won't even get on a call, right? So I know I could be taking more calls and that volume would go down and whatever. Um, but I, we have other programs that we just kind of facilitate people into if I just mm -hmm. don't want to waste my time in a strategy call. Um, but I, I would say, you know, and, and that's the power of a great sales script. And then also I think somebody that is just dedicated to their craft, because this isn't just me, right? I, I Like you were saying, I coach other people too. And just this morning, I had somebody that has literally worked in proposals and, you know, more of the agency model and the old way of doing things forever. And they were just not even open to me telling them about any other way to do more consultative sales. And I'm just mm -hmm. like, well, do you want it to be harder or easier? Um, and let's make you an offer that actually like makes sense that you could sell in 45 minutes over the phone, right? Um, and I have another one, a mom that w was charging $30 a month for her Facebook group. And I was like, Gosh. does that bring you joy? Are you motivated mm -hmm. to serve these people? So we raised it to like 3K and she closed her first two calls in the first week, you know, both of them right off the bat. Oh and this is changing a mom's life who is a first grade teacher who maybe mm -hmm. makes 3K in a month, right? Working 80 hours probably. Um, right. And another person, you know, closed 12K this morning. So I think that um, people who are really, really, really dedicated, this is why they should work with you. This is why they should hire coaching is because a really great script, a really great system can get them 75% of the way, right? And then certain industries will naturally have more objections. Like I would say the biggest one that I get when I do get objections um, is definitely if I don't have the full decision maker on the phone, which I've learned to, you know, now if she's a teenager, I'm just going to be like, mom's also got to be on the phone. Um, yeah. But I've also had 16 year olds drop $4,000 on a program because they're invested in their growth. I mean, these girls are, I'm telling you, like we have a weird industry, right? So it's not typical. Yeah. Um, but I would say like learning how to like spousal objections or the I'll think about it objection, the I'll think about it objection, or can I get back to you? I used to get way more often than I do now. And now I learned that I massively overwhelmed people and the explanation of my pitch. So I have worked mm. specifically the last six months really, really hard to massively simplify my pitch into four pillars. And I time myself at five minutes or less to actually describe what I'm giving them. And then I have Wait, a little bit of again. like- Say it again. Say it again. Okay. <laughs> How long minutes. is your pitch? Like less literally less minutes. than five minutes. Yeah, it is. I, I, okay. So somebody couldn't, we had too many calls yesterday and I literally, I don't even take, hardly take sales calls anymore and I had to take one. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yo, I am, I will not do like, cause I'm trying out new things right now. I believe what yeah. you're saying. And I was like, I'm Love going it. to shorten this. And I crushed that thing in three minutes. The whole entire call was 17 minutes. And it was, you know, a twelve thousand dollar deal. That's amazing. Top to bottom. Never Come talked on. to him. I was like, and I was like, no, nah, I'm just gonna try this because I'm like, I do think that we overcomplicate the freaking we do. pitch. We do. Yeah, anyways, keep going. So you get it down yeah. and you So you get it down and the thing is, you know, you separate it into parts, pillars, like come up with, you know, whatever word you need to fill that in there. And if you do your job in the question part of the phase, and then I do kind of like a transitionary kind of like pre-pitch after questions type thing where I just kind of like make sure we're on the same track. I kind of summarize what I've heard and then see if they have any other questions before that to where they're basically eating out of the palm of your hand. And it's just worked mm -hmm. well. Again, I didn't used to do that. Now I do. Um, 
And I've just found that people have way more certainty. I'm way less exhausted too. Cause like talking mm-hmm. for eight hours is a lot, you know? Um, and I think it's just, it, it takes a lot of going back to listening confidence. It takes confidence to talk less. It totally does because the, the mindset that a lot of people go into sales with is if they don't know everything about everything, they won't buy it. When in reality, if they know way too much, it actually seems complicated and you're raising the barrier to entry, which is a reason why people don't buy and right. you need to give them enough. And again, you can analyze if they seem like they're more of an analytical person in the way that they're describing their problems to you, then yeah, maybe sprinkle a little bit more about the onboarding process or whatever. But if they're more of a gut person or they're more of a, just like, mm-hmm. I'm just excited to be here. I'm telling you my whole life, you know, everything <laughs> or in an, an extremely emotional state. Oftentimes it's like, can you fix my problem? Is this the yep. vehicle that's supposed to help me? Can I trust you? Are you certain yep. and confident in what you're selling me? And is it quick, fast, easier, better, and going to ultimately be probably cheaper than me doing it on my own, you know? And that's really yeah. it. Um, but yeah, that used to be the objection I got most often. And now that's really helped it. So I would recommend that to everyone. And like, write it out verbatim if you need to. Here are my four points. Here are the benefits attached to it and how it will help you and attach it to the pain that they're struggling with, you know, whatever. Sorry, so, go ahead. So the <laughs> number one way to, I call this disarming defenses, right? Mm-hmm. Like disarm their defenses so that way you're never actually handling because i don't fully believe just i mean i do believe in objections but i don't actually think they're objections right there's just so many studies out there that they're actually a distortion field which is in essence a counterfeit to the truth of the reality of what they should believe and they have believed a lie which is a distortion and so it's like you can either disarm a defense or you have to reframe a distortion and Mm -hmm. so it's like if you could disarm the defense which is pre-handling. So in your case, shortening your pitch is disarming that, like I need to think about it. Is there anything else that you have noticed in the discovery phase that's helped that I need to think about it? Yes, so I uh, I literally, I would say over, you know, been in business for six years. The first four years, a bajillion failures all the time, used to not even have a script, just winged it, <laughs> did not work well at all, got massive objections, always had to talk to the spouse, always had to think about it, you know, yeah. just failure. And also didn't have like a set program. I just kind of like flew by the seat of my pants and I would just put together packages of things, which is yeah, hilarious yeah. to think about. Um, <laughs> but um, now I just forgot your question. Oh, other objections you said, or no, other no, no. barriers? How, is there a Sorry. way that you can de- disarm oh. the defense of, I need to think about it before it ever comes up outside of the pitch? Yes. yes. So the more you know your client, the more that you study your sales calls, the more that you will start to see patterns. And at the mm-hmm. end of the day, there's going to be five or six major issues for your ideal client right? Not just any client, but your ideal client that you're like, man, this, she needs to buy this, whether she knows it or not, like she's my dream client, right? Mm-hmm. And so for me, oftentimes, that's the, the wrong client is somebody that like, we always say, like, they're going to have to mortgage their house to work with you. Like, I'm just not interested in taking someone's money like that. So I normally in the first 15 minutes have tried to weed that out. Or like I said, through the application, I already know that. And then I'm shooting them in a different direction if I can, because that's genuinely what I think would serve them. Sometimes, they actually do have the money, right? But if they like really, really don't, I'm not like a hardcore closer when it comes to that. And I'm like, hey, here's one of our, you know, under a thousand dollar type programs that's still really gonna help yeah. you. And that's great. Um, but time is a huge one for me. So that's where the way that I describe my online course is I always frame it within, 
hey, you're a full-time student and I heard that you're also working a part-time job. I just want to say that's amazing. I remember when I was competing for Miss Nebraska, I was a full-time student as well. And I got a lot on your plate. So that's why in our Interview Mastery Academy, it's a, tw- you know, it's a course meant to go through in 12 weeks. Right now, the way that I'm selling it is, you know, you told me that you don't start school till August. That gives you a whole month to blitz through the program as fast as you want. And the nice thing is you can do the learning on your own time. And then on our one-on-one coaching calls, it makes it a lot easier for us to match up our schedules, right? So I'm always like yeah. showing the benefits of the program inside of one of the problems that they that they potentially could have had with it of like, oh, that sounds like a big program. And now my brain's just thinking, I already have classes to take now. This is just another one. No, I'm going to frame it where it feels like this is making it easier, faster, quicker, you know? So I just yeah. take the major objections of what they tell me time. Um, usually it's like, oh, I've placed in the same top 10 for 10 years. And then I'll mm-hmm. dig deeper and it's like, oh, well, they're really just frustrated at staying the same. Right. So then I have to frame what I'm framing in my pitch of, well, how is this going to immediately create momentum? So like Mm -hmm. I'll frame that of like in the first 72 hours, you'll have your first one-on-one coaching call with us. And here's exactly what we'll focus on for you. I'm going to focus on this because this is what you told me. And so then they're already thinking, oh my gosh, 72 hours from now, I could have this problem fixed. Right. So I really think learning the difference between features and benefits, like using the word so that dot, dot, dot changes it from just saying, oh, and it has another thing and another thing and another thing and another thing, which just produces overwhelm as much as you can kind of pre-frame and really make sure you're only bringing up things as it attaches to their pain will make them Mm -hmm. feel like a deep breath for every new thing that you bring up rather than them trying to ravenously like remember, Oh, well, do I need to remember all these module names and do I need to remember the way that it works and what day are the calls on? And, you know, I I just think we get into the weeds a little bit and we don't keep the main thing, the main thing, which is them, their problems and is your thing, the vehicle to their solution and their desired result. That's so freaking good, yo. This is gold, y'all. This is so good. It really is because, like, I feel like we get hit up all the time. Like, how do you handle objection? How do you handle objection? How do you? And I'm just like, first of all, stop trying to handle objections. First of ask all, ask better start, questions. Ask better <laughs> questions. You want to handle objection? Ask a better question. Get them to realize where they're actually at, widen the gap, and then you don't even have to handle objections because you have clearly yeah. shown them where they're at and where they want to be. It's so vastly far apart that they, without you, they can't get where they want to be. That's how you handle an objection. Anyways, moving on. You crushed it. That was amazing. Uh, Megan, since the day one since I met you, you have been the real deal uh, no matter what. And I'm just I'm, – I'm super grateful that um, – a, that your business is crushing, that you have recently got married because it's like the culmination of just all your hard work just kind of coming together. And now I'm like, oh, my God, where are you going next? Because you're just getting started. I mean, literally, you're just getting started and you're about to just catapult off. And, you know, we've talked about other offer ideas that you could easily crush on and destroy. Mm-hmm. But um, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for your time. I know that you are very swamped and busy. If people um, are listening and they wanted to learn from you, I mean, because what we haven't even talked about yet is um, women are coming to you that are not in your um, pageantry program, um, but mm-hmm. they want to learn from you how to honestly just be a boss lady at whatever level and degree. How do they get in contact with you to you know develop that skill set and learn from you? Yeah. Well, thank you for the compliment. And Landon, I feel the same way about you and yours. So that's awesome. Um, And I just, you know, it's great to know great people. It just makes the world go round. Um, Instagram's where I'm the most active. So at Megan Swanson Rhodes now, R-H-O-D-E-S, or you just type in Megan Swanson, it'll come up. 
Um, and Powerhouse Pageantry is my company. If you want to stock kind of what we're doing on the organic content front, we're about to put out tons of new content. Feel free to steal the way that I write, the way that I frame things. I love long form copy. If you want to join Pageant Winter Secrets and you have nothing to do with pageants, but you just want to stock the way that I write copy, that's our free group. Um, I think it's facebook.com slash group slash pageant winner. And then if you you know want to learn more about sales, um, I primarily work with women right now. I'm not against working with men. We accept you as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I just love helping people grow, even in the confidence and the mindset side of things that it takes. Um, that's a huge part of my story There's that we didn't even get into of how I've gotten here today is because a lot of the internal things, um, spiritual, emotional, mental side of things, that is the things that sometimes can even just stop you even if you have the right tools and training in front of you you're just not mm -hmm. ready to like adopt those things yet because you still just got some inner stuff going on um and so that's where our program might be a little bit of a different approach um there's a million great programs out there though so if you feel like you vibed with me just message me on instagram and we can get connected heck yeah we're gonna put that in the show notes as well um to make sure that people have access to everything that you just said as well because i'll be honest with you i've, I've been on a uh um trying to hire right now and I can't find a, a, a freaking lady to come in and crush. Mm. And I'm like, guys, this is not a, this is, I understand that sometimes it seems like it's a masculine industry and for the Nate, you know, for the majority, it probably has been, it doesn't mean yeah. it has to be. And also that's right. not a slam to dudes. Cause I ain't trying to take nothing away from dudes, you know, and, and in any way, I just think that, you know, I, I look at, you know, wonderful women like yourself and I'm like, you you actually crush like if i could ever steal you away from your freaking phenomenal business <laughs> i would but i can't so it's not even possible but so i love it and i hope people come and connect with you and then i hope you help me find some you know lovely women just like yourself to freaking come and destroy these dudes and put them in their place seriously um, and yeah so thank you for your time uh congrats on this amazing new uh you know you know marriage that you got rocking and uh wish nothing but the best for you guys uh crew thank you. thank you so much for listening as always we only ask one thing for this show we are not monetizing it as far as i know we're not and i don't think that we are um is simply just share this guys um if there's anything that you ever pull away from an episode, the most powerful thing you can do is share that same revelation to somebody else that might need it. Because we all need each other and we all need uh, the opportunity to have our minds uh, expanded upon and, and learn. You got to learn. You got to learn how to learn. So, again, if you could share it, that would be the most amazing thing in the world. But until next time, guys, uh, nothing but the best. We're out.